It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on this Monday. It's the Guy Benson Show. See you on special report on the panel coming up in the next hour. Fox News Channel. GuyBensonShow.com, our website here. Podcast free every day. So as I mentioned earlier in the hour, and as we talked about last week, I was in California Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then flew back yesterday. And I will admit to feeling some degree of guilt for this reason. It was really cold in the Northeast for a number of those days. Like, finally, temperatures hit where they are often expected to hit in January or February, but we've been sort of getting off scot-free in sort of the New York, D.C. corridor, and then the chill arrived. And that happened to coincide with the hot water heater at our house going on the fritz. We have one of the more modern tankless hot water heaters. And at first it was just sort of not working properly, and then we would go down to the basement and we would flip the switch in the circuit breaker And then it would sort of reset and work again. So that was a temporary solution that was working okay, like maybe Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. Then I skipped town, went to sunny Southern California with very nice temperatures. The cold weather hit hard in the Northeast, and the little temporary fix was no longer working. The hot water heater was absolutely malfunctioning. No hot water in the house. None. And it wasn't even room temperature or lukewarm water. It was extremely cold water. Just not eligible for showering, certainly. So not only was my husband, Adam, stuck at the house by himself with me out of town, he also had friends coming in for the weekend, childhood friends, staying with us. And no one could shower at our house. So we did warn them. So they made other arrangements. They were seeing other friends. I guess they worked something out. Adam is much handier than I am. I'm not a handy person. I'd be like, oh, I'll just write a check. Let's get a new thing. We'll get a whole brand new one. Adam was convinced it was fixable. They had one plumber come in who apparently looked at the thing for an hour and a half and said, There are no fixes. You can't run diagnostics the way this thing is designed. You can maybe do this one flush thing, but you you might need a brand new one. And he decided, Adam did, to get a second opinion. He actually called the manufacturer, got on like a first-name basis with one of these people, and they're like, oh, no, you absolutely can run diagnostics. We can figure out what's wrong with it. So the other plumber was absolutely wrong, charged us hundreds of dollars to be completely wrong. So then Adam figured out with this person on the phone what was up, what parts we needed. He ordered those parts direct from the manufacturer, tried to get them express shipped to the house. It was still going to take X number of business days, and of course there was a weekend involved here. And then he had to find another plumber to come in and actually do the servicing. So while I'm out in very nice temperatures in California, plus staying at a nice hotel with a completely functional shower, he was in very cold Washington, D.C. area with house guests unable to shower in our own home. So he spent the last, like, three or four days alternating among neighbors' houses. That's, his, that's how he had to bathe. Just begging neighbors, I'm so sorry, can I come use a hot shower of yours for 15 minutes? Now, we have great neighbors. Everyone was very accommodating and super nice. We are giving people bottles of wine as thank yous for this. And as of just a few hours ago, my understanding is the issue has been resolved. The parts arrived this morning. The plumber, the good plumber who knows what he's doing, arrived today. Hot water is restored. So I missed 
almost all of this ordeal. That's why I feel a little bit guilty. But I had a small taste of it this morning. So I was on Stu Varney's show on Fox Business Network around 10 a.m. Eastern today. And I needed to shower before that in order to just wake up and be TV ready and the hair and everything. I needed to bathe. It just was not an option. So one of our neighbors had been made aware of this. She texted me in the morning. She's like, hey, if you want to come over anytime, you're welcome to it. So I had my little toiletry kit. I had a towel. I had a change of clothes. I, like, threw on a baseball cap, and I walked across the street, used the shower. And I don't know why I felt guilty about it, but I absolutely did. And, like, it's not that much of an inconvenience for them just to say yes. It's very nice of them. But to me, it felt like a huge ask. Like, can I come bathe at your house? Like, you don't want to have to ask anyone for that, but we did. Then I walked home afterwards, and I don't quite know why, but it almost felt like I was doing a walk of shame. (laughs) I don't know why, because it's not the same. It just isn't the same, but that's how I felt, walking back across the street. Like, random people being like, oh, what's he doing with his bath towel and a toiletry kit? It just, it was an odd sight. I was probably way too in my own head about it. But now it's fixed. So thanks to everyone who helped make it happen. I was not one of them. I think I helped contribute to the the final bill for the plumber, but that's it. So my hat is off to Adam, who really was responsible for getting to the heart of the problem and fixing it. It just took a long time. And so I think in total it was four and a half days of absolutely no hot water at the house, coinciding with some of the coldest days of the year. Well, I was gallivanting in Palm Desert out in California. And the only little taste of it I got was this morning with my quasi walk of shame from the neighbor's house. Christine, for some reason, I feel like you're enjoying this. I mean, I'm not going to say that on air, but... Boy, am I giggling back here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, what's, I said it. What's most entertaining to you about this, Christine? <laughs> like, I'm just picturing you, like, do you just go in your bathrobe, have your, like, you know, a rubber ducky in one hand, you know, a bottle of shampoo in the other, <laughs> and off you go to the neighbors, like, do-do-do, going to take my shower. I think Adam had rotated among three different households, so it wasn't putting too much of the burden on it, any one neighbor. And then I went back to one of those neighbors' houses this morning. And it just, it was not a pleasant experience. It was a lovely bathroom, great shower. They couldn't be any nicer, but I felt weirdly shamed. Even though it's not our fault at all. And we got the thing fixed as quickly as humanly possible. Especially since we had the false start with the wrong diagnosis from the first plumber. But it was sort of just like, I hope no one sees me in this outfit, walking back to my house from someone else's house. That's, I think, the walk of shame parallel. They end there, just for the record, obviously. But I think that's why the mentality creeped into my mind, like flashbacks to college type thing. That's what I was going to say. If that's your walk of shame, like, you're you're golden. I've had plenty walk of shames, and that wasn't it. <laughs> oh, boy. I, uh, You know what? I actually don't want to know. It's, I it's can't tell one you. Of those, yeah, no, I. That's this is a family-friendly program, Christine. Also, I don't want to run afoul of HR at all. We don't need to know about what Cookie just described as her quote many walks of shame in the past. I many, I believe, is the word that you just used. Um, so people can draw their own conclusions, but my walk of shame today was just uh, this situation. And also, by the way, where I also sort of lucked out on this is it's really not that cold today. The temperatures have come back up. So walking around in like a bathrobe, I was in sweatpants and, and a jacket, but like it wasn't that bad as opposed to, I think, Friday and Saturday, it was really bad. So I dodged the bulk of the pain involved in this situation. So I I think part of the reason that I'm doing the topic that we are here on the home stretch, it's just sort of an expression of guilt and gratitude to everyone who had to actually deal with a problem that I was able to, not in a selfish way or an intentional way, but I was able to avoid 
and not really be terribly impacted by. But when you see my quaff on special report tonight, that's only made possible by Nick and Jen Shower. So thank you to them. And, of course, to Adam, who is definitely rolling his eyes very hard, if he's listening to this. He asked me if I was going to talk about it on the air because he's now also getting wise to the fact, just like your husband, that we talk about our personal stuff on the air. And so I I had to confess, yes, we're going to talk about it. So there's a chance that he might tune in since his name might be mentioned. That's really the only way he'll tune into the show, in fairness. Any last thoughts, Christine? Yeah, I have two. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Number one, uh, cold showers are actually very, very good for you. Uh, Tony Robbins takes a cold plunge every single day. I'm starting to follow him a little more and more. Who's? I'm sorry, what's, what is that? He is like somebody, he's like a life coach. You don't know who Tony Robbins is? I don't. I don't seek out a life coach, Christine, because oh. unlike certain other people, I don't really feel like I need one. Some people really, really need some life coaching, but go on. Are, are you saying that's me, that someone is uh, me? Many people are saying, I'm not saying it explicitly. Well, he does. You like, a second point. He does self-help books, infomercial seminars. Anyway, he he believes in the power of a cold plunge. So you would have been okay. And number two, um, do you think White's ever done a walk of shame of any kind? Hmm. Probably. There was probably one morning where he only woke up and he rolled over and he, to his shock and horror, saw lying in his bed a copy of the New York Times, not the Wall Street Journal, and he read it. (laughs) And people would be horrified to know. I might have just outed him. He's cheated on the journal at some point. That walk of shame, brutal. I just want to say for the record, I gave you an opportunity to make a final comment, and your final comments did not include correcting the record on the many walks of shame. So that has just been basically confirmed well, the prob- by producer Christine. <laughs> well, the problem is I didn't say many, but I did say plenty. So I'm not sure if plenty. that's better. I think it's synonymous is my verdict. Many. Let's just add the words many and plenty. That's now on the record and we've got to run. It's the Guy Benson Show. I have to recover from all of this and go do special reports. See you there on Fox News Channel. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place for the radio. Great night. Home stretch. Thanks for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. Free podcast every day. Tonight I'm joining the bottom line. Dagan McDowell, Sean Duffy, my debut appearance on that new program coming up in the next hour on Fox Business Network. So hope to see you there. You can also set your DVRs. All right. So yesterday in this segment, I told you the story about our water heater going out at home. It's been out now for days or had been up till yesterday. I was gone for most of it, so Adam was bearing the brunt of the lack of hot water while I was gallivanting on the West Coast at an event and so on and so forth. But I did relay the story of having to take a shower at a neighbor's house yesterday morning because the plumber was coming later, and it just had to happen, and it was just an unpleasant experience. Not that... The neighbor was anything other than very generous and kind. Of course, that was great. Just taking your showering stuff, shuffling across the street in the cold, practically in a bathrobe, it was just kind of humiliating. Like, here I am, an adult, begging other people in my neighborhood just to be able to bathe. It was just a little bit demoralizing. It was not exactly the most dignified experience I've ever had. And I likened it just a little bit to a walk of shame scenario. But as I also said yesterday, the problem was fixed. Plumber was there. The issue had been dealt with. Hot water had been restored. And we can all laugh about this silly little episode that was in the past. False. The plumber did come. The problem was seemingly fixed. It was not, in fact, fixed. I got on my Peloton exercise machine. I was exhausted yesterday, absolutely exhausted. My travel day Sunday, I didn't sleep very well at all. But I forced myself. I said, you got to exercise. So I got home after special report, got on the bike, and I did a really, really hard ride. 
30 minutes, the last 10 of which were grueling. It was unpleasant but worth it. And I was sweaty and gross and so ready for a nice hot shower and then a bite of dinner. Then we were going to watch some TV. The shower water did turn warm, excitingly. And I was getting all soaped up and shampooed and all that stuff. And less than a minute into the shower, it plunged into freezing temperatures again. The water heater failed. I was mid-shower, like mid-suds. What do you do? It was freezing. It was I couldn't just grit my teeth and tough it out for the rest of the shower. It was not cool water or room temperature water. It was frigid water. So I got out of the shower, stood there kind of shivering, and started calling neighbors. The first two didn't answer. <laughs> they maybe saw, like, God, it's them again. Is their shower still broken? Don't answer. I'm not accusing them of dodging our calls. They both called back later. But one neighbor did answer. And so I got my stuff, put on some clothes because, A, you have to, but I had, like, actual soap on my body. Put on a winter coat, got my toiletries, got my towel, and walked over to the neighbor's house. So this is, in my mind, not a worst-case scenario, but it's, it's up there. It's another humiliation. It was the brief tease of the warm water that then was just snatched away cruelly less than a minute into the bathing experience. It was the realization that the hundreds of dollars we have already spent, like $700 on fixes and plumber appointments and all this stuff had gone to waste. Clearly the problem was not resolved at all. And then here I was, like, both disgustingly sweaty and half-bathed, showing up at a neighbor's house. It gets worse. At the neighbor's house they ended up having a problem with their hot water. So I took a room temperature shower at their house. I barely had the heart to tell them because they were like, was that great? How was the hot water? You were probably, like, they were really playing it up, and I had to just sheepishly, like, embarrass, like, I'm the curse in all of this. I said, actually, the water didn't get warm. I wasn't, like, teeth chattering, but I was cold. It was not refreshing. It was not fun. So they were apologetic. Now I'm feeling even more guilty for imposing on them and then having to tell them that they had an issue. Then they're embarrassed in their own right. It was just so bad. I actually snapped a photo of me just holding my towel and a little gym bag with stuff in there because we brought like soap and shampoo over and I sent it to the team in a text message because we had talked about it on the home stretch. I said, "Welp." Christine's like, "Oh, took me a second to realize what was happening." Yep. So Adam was back on the phone with the plumber and at this point he said, "Look, if I have to run even more diagnostics, the earliest I can get there is probably Wednesday afternoon. And then I won't really even know what the problem is because what we thought the problem was clearly is not the case or was not the whole story. He's like, I now have two or three other theories. He said we have to test them, and then we'd probably have to order parts. And we're talking about days and days. He said the other option here is you get a new one. He said, I have a new one. It will fit in your space. I've been to your house. And it's just it's thousands of dollars. And we basically begged him, if we decide to drop the money on this, can you at least come tomorrow, i.e. now today, Tuesday? And he said he could move some things around and probably get to the house today. So we thought about it. We are already $700 plus parts that we ordered in to this ordeal with no hot water as a result. So the calculation was... Do we incrementally continue to spend hundreds of dollars more 
trying to figure out what's wrong with this damn thing, hoping that we finally fix it when there's clearly now something wrong with it. And that could take quite some time and trial and error and waiting for parts and more labor costs, all of it. Or do we bite the bullet and spend thousands of dollars on a brand new tankless water heating system for the house and have it installed today, Tuesday? This was a very unfortunate choice that I did not anticipate having to make in the new year, but here we are. And at last report, the plumber was at the house today beginning the process of installing this new machine. And what worries me is at least when we were going on the air this afternoon, he was still at the house working on it. Because we were told it was going to be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, a quick install. We know exactly what we're doing. He was at the house already this morning when I was back at a different neighbor's house taking my morning shower, which I had to do. What I would have preferred is just like I have a home studio. I could do the show from home. If I wasn't showered and a little bit gross, fine. But I had TV today. I also had a meeting with the Speaker of the House with a handful of Fox colleagues preparing for the State of the Union, off-the-record stuff. I needed to be presentable. So I was back at the neighbor's house again, a different neighbor, showering this morning. And while I was showering, actually under hot water, which was very exciting— By the time I was walking back across the street, the plumber was there. So if I'm doing my math right, he'd been there for like five or six hours by the time I checked in with Adam about, hey, do we have hot water yet? Not yet. But a lot of money has been spent. So I tune in tomorrow. Is our bathroom working yet? By the way, that's the other thing. I got back from the neighbor's house. I was in a time crunch because I had to get to Capitol Hill, had to get to this meeting on time. And I went to go brush my teeth. But because this guy was now installing a new water heater, we had to turn all the water in the house off. So there was no water at all coming out of the faucets, none. And I had to brush my teeth. I was also really thirsty. So what I ended up doing was using bottled water to brush my teeth. I mean, it was just, it was a comedy of errors. Tell you what, for this price tag, this thing better be freaking ready by the time I get home off the air tonight. Although, quite frankly, after Joe Biden's speech, I might need a cold shower. So, I mean, there's that. And I hate to uh, drag this out. Maybe the only positive out of this whole situation is that it's been good for content where I can get on the air and talk about how embarrassing and suboptimal this whole thing has been. But I think this is day six or seven now without hot water at the house. I've only been here for like two and a half of them, and I leave tomorrow for North Carolina. So if the thing still isn't working, I'm going to abandon my poor husband again to a hotel in another state where I can actually bathe like a civilized person in temperature-adjusted water while he's still dealing with it. But I look, I'm, I have to keep the faith. New water heater. You know that term adulting, which I don't like? This felt like peak, unglamorous adulting. Where something goes wrong and you're a homeowner and there's no one to call except the guy that you've got to give a lot of money to to fix the problem. And you have no choice. Like, this isn't a luxury that we can maybe do without. We didn't budget for it. You need hot water in your house. And even for a little while today, I was reminded how wonderful running water is, too. We didn't have that for a while. Good times. Apparently the problem is spreading. The cancer is spreading. Wyatt now has a shower leak in his new apartment. So the new landlord dealing with that, he's going to be sending new angry emails to a new management company. He's still not done with the last one. Christine apparently has some shower story. Christine, we only have like a minute here. Is it better than mine? I can't imagine that it is. Actually, you know what? I I just thought about it. I probably shouldn't tell you the story. It might be illegal. It might be illegal? Yeah. It's a long story, but I don't want to. I think I violated some construction permit. So, well, you know, we all have issues in the shower, don't we? Now you've only piqued my interest. So we're out of time. I'm going to have to give an update on this at some point. 
tomorrow or whatever. And Christine, you know, consult a lawyer and then we're going to have to pull out of you whatever your story is. Hopefully we don't have people showing up in handcuffs at the end of the home stretch. My guess is like building codes and construction permits. I don't think you go to prison for that sort of thing. So just think about it. We've got to leave it there. I'm heading to the bottom line up in just a few minutes on Fox Business Network. Hope to see you there. I'll be part of the radio side State of the Union coverage tonight, previewing the speech, and then back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show, same time as always. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic night. Stay warm. Hot water helps. Home stretch. Charlotte, North Carolina, Guy Benson Show. Thanks for being here. GuyBensonShow.com for our podcast, free on demand every day. As we like to mention frequently, it continues to grow. Thanks to all of you. We really appreciate it. Well, we have a resolution. This time I think it's safe to say it. I had a false start on Monday. I thought we'd fix the problem with the hot water heater. Uh, Incorrect. Things went south very quickly. Mid-shower, as a matter of fact. Spent multiple days pleading with neighbors to let us shower at their homes. And I just want to publicly thank all of them for being so gracious. Bottles of wine, as I mentioned, have been delivered. Like, thank you. But I think that humiliation and those walks of shame are over. But only because we had to spend thousands of dollars to get a brand new machine. And Adam is such a nerd about this stuff. He sort of geeks out about it. He was watching YouTube videos about this model. He read the owner's manual, like cover to cover. I didn't even notice it when I walked in right past it in the garage. But the fact is, at long last, it's been replaced. It's working. I worked out last night and then stepped into a luxurious piping hot shower. I took a photo, actually, just of the water falling from the shower head and sent it to the team like, success, finally. So I'm just going to knock on some wood here and hope that it all holds. But I think we've got it covered. And by the way, 25-year warranty is the deal on this thing. So that seems pretty good to me, given what we paid for it. And again, this is not a luxury. This is a must-have. You have to be able to bathe. And you cannot be in freezing water in the middle of the winter. right? I'm, I'm justifying this big expense to all of you on the air just to sort of, I don't know, try to put myself at peace with the whole episode. So consider this almost like a form of therapy for me. Thank you, everybody. Meanwhile, relatedly, I had mentioned, I think in passing, that Quiet Wyatt was having a problem. He recently moved buildings to a new apartment complex, was very happy to say goodbye to the old management team. And he sent a lot of angry emails to them. Well, he's in the new place, and he had a shower problem, something of a leak Wyatt, leaks are, like, really problematic. I would imagine if you run an apartment company in some sort of a a building like this, you probably want to get on a leak immediately because that can have literally a cascading effect. Has that been resolved? It indeed has been resolved. A quick little email, and it was all resolved yesterday. Huh. So, I mean, so far it sounds like you're probably more impressed with the new management situation than the past one, given the responsiveness there. Definitely. Were you nervous? Because I know you were doing a lot of State of the Union coverage last night, helping out around Fox in D.C. What time did you get home? I I think our coverage ended around 1130 here on the radio. So I got home a little after midnight and I was anxiously awaiting to see if there was going to be a, you know, a pool of water in my bathroom. But it was all fixed and I was pretty happy. Okay, so we're rolling with some good news on this whole front here. Which brings us to Christine, and she does what she sometimes occasionally does to us, and she did it this week, where in the context of a conversation, she'll just sort of chime in with something like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, I tried out for The Bachelor once. Just sort of dropping that in like it's nothing. And it's like, well, hang on, stop. We could do a whole segment just on that. Where did that come from? So Christine teased us. She floated the possibility, at least the, the specter of some sort of criminal involvement involving a shower. She said she had done something to her shower or she had a shower story and then she thought better of it, quote unquote, because she worried that she might be admitting to illegal activity. 
uh, and we have told her, oh, that's nonsense. You need to tell us now. You need to fess up. It's just between us, after all. It's just among friends. So, Christine, what is this shower criminal caper that you were a part of, and where on the criminality scale does it fall compared to, I don't know, the uh, vacuum cleaner return scheme from Judgey Joyce? I'm still not sure, so I still don't know if this is something that I should mention on air. I did just, I just asked Dan, is shower tampering a thing? Have you ever heard of that before? I have. So, In fact, I think, wasn't Trump kind of obsessed with this? Like, Trump would bring up a lot water pressure and shower heads, and it really annoyed him, and it was one of his applause lines. I don't know if this is what, this is, this is maybe where you're going. I don't know. Where are you going with this? So, um, I do not like the temperature of our hot water in our apartment complex, and we pay a lot of money to live there. So I put a request in for somebody to come and fix it. So hold on, not hot enough? Is Mm-mm. that the situation? Yeah. Okay. I like a hot, hot shower. All right. So they come, and I follow the man into the bathroom, into the shower, and I see what he's doing. I watch, and I watch, and I wait. And now what he does is he's taking the, the handle. What would you call that? Like the shower handle? He takes it off. I don't know. I, I I bet a lot of people know this. And there's like a little like lever that you can like move where it says like hot or cold. And mm-hmm. he pushed it just like a little bit more towards the hot. But I felt that he didn't go far enough. So I watched him do all this and then like, I guess, screw it back on or whatever he had to do. And then when he left, I went and found Bobby's tools. We don't have a ton, but I found that screw. And I went and opened it up again, and I made it even hotter. Did you, just just to jump in, did you test how it felt before you adjusted it? No. I knew it wasn't going to be good enough. Based on what? Your vast plumbing experience? (laughs) I mean, I just knew. I just, like, had this feeling. Like, I felt like they sent him there just to, like, appease me. Like, he barely moved anything. And I just, I just wanted it hotter. I knew I needed it to be hotter. You didn't call up, you know, Johnny, your consultant on most things, to run it past him. You just had a gut instinct about this one, so you just broke out the tools and made some changes. Plumber <laughs> cookie. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want you to know, Johnny and I have broken up. He has stopped. He stopped responding to any text of mine. So I okay. guess Johnny and I are done. Oh. So no, I couldn't call him about that because he. Lucky man. But go on, please. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just a plumber now. (laughs) Jack of all trades. All right, so what was the outcome? Did it work? It's pretty hot. I have to say, we have really hot water. I have to, like, sometimes make it cold. You know what? Well, the last minute of my shower is always the cold plunge anyway. It's always, like, freezing cold. You always do that? Yeah, you're supposed Yeah. You're not supposed to. I know people, some people swear by it where you have a nice hot shower and then you flip it to cold and it... I guess is supposed to release it, it, certain. No, it teaches you to do hard things. Or something. Like yeah. in we, your... we, I know we we had this debate on the air what last year or the year before. It was maybe during COVID when everyone was at home, and everyone had a lot of time on their hands. So people were debating the merits of different showering practices. We definitely had this discussion. I didn't realize you did the uh, the polar plunge or whatever every day. I did it by accident, involuntarily, on Monday, where I was having a nice, very brief warm shower, and then boom, it turned cold. Not something I want to replicate. Nope. No thank you. You can keep doing that. But the fact is, you made the change. It is now much hotter. It is to your liking. When was this done, by the way? I'm just trying to get a very specific timeline no, I'm uh, for giving, the police. I'm not giving you a date. I'm worried. I feel like you're, you're collecting evidence here. Do the we- reason I'm asking this is actually for not just, yes, evidence gathering against you, but also... The other curiosity is once you did that, once you changed it, made everything hotter, have you noticed a change in your bill, your water bill, your heating bill, anything like that? Or is that being absorbed by the building and you're just paying like a flat fee? How does that work? Um, we pay for water. Okay. Doesn't it? No, doesn't. No, I'm asking. Doesn't come in the rent. I have no clue. 
have to ask, All right, I that might Bobby. be something you could, yeah, <laughs> maybe ask Bobby, like, hey, doing this, it's much more comfortable now, I like it, but, you know, are we paying a lot more, or is someone else sort of picking up the slack? That's, that's one of the things that I'm wondering about, but uh, you can go and investigate. Am I in trouble now, do you think? <laughs> You're going back to jail. I mean, it's, it's been since December, right, when you were the suspected Christmas cookie spiller. At the Christmas party, where you spilled on everyone, and then we thought the couch, and you had to call us from the from the jail. Not really, by the way, in case people are listening, like new people to the program, so confused right now. Is this woman a repeat offender? Yes, but not necessarily in a full-blown criminal way. Just to clarify that point, I would say, and I can be pretty judgmental, I think I'm tough but fair on Christine, I would say you're fine. Or at least I would defend your actions on this. I think that this is a reasonable course of action because you pay a very high rent in that building. Bathing is important. Hot showers, more than ever, I'm reminded, are very important. And for you to make sure that you can actually have a satisfyingly hot shower is, yes, somewhat taking matters into your own hands in a way that probably the building wouldn't support or would frown upon. I think it is a justified decision and therefore... I say not guilty. And I'm the judge, jury, and executioner on this show. So at least for these purposes, you're great. Now, if someone like your landlord in the building is listening or a local law enforcement official is listening, I mean, they have to reach their own conclusions. And, you know, Lord knows that you admit to all sorts of other things on the air. I mean, you could just like, create a whole dossier about Cookie just by listening to Bonus Benson on weekends, for example. I, I thank you, guy. I appreciate uh, the backing. And guess what? Now that I know that I can plumb, plumber, I can plumb. <laughs> I think that I'm this weekend going to uh, change. I don't like the faucet. No, not the faucet. What's the shower head? I don't like it. I hmm. saw yours, and I think I want that, like the the rain thing. So we're gonna work rain. on. Yeah, I'm gonna work yep. on that this weekend. All right. Well, I look forward. Very much to next week's home stretches where we're talking about the massive water damage done to not just your apartment, but the whole building and the lawsuits that emanate from that. Because when Christine goes into a weekend planning to do something with a great plan, invariably by Monday, there is a disaster. So there could be some great content here for the show. So I encourage you to do that. Go to the, your local you know, Home Depot or Lowe's and get that water showerhead and see how it goes. Godspeed, Christine out of time here back here tomorrow also from north carolina these couple of days on the guy benson show same time same place have a great night home stretch for the second consecutive day from charlotte north carolina thank you so much for being here GuyBensonShow.com is our website podcast always free so producer christine has been uh, hot under the collar about this story all week she keeps reminding us because we keep pushing it off because we've had other things to talk about, such as hot water heaters. But she really wanted to address this. And so we shall. Fox Business with a story about how AMC movie theaters, so one of the big chains, is moving to shift their pricing model. Under which, in the revamped version, they will be charging moviegoers based on the seat locations in the theater, right? So the prime seating, sort of in the middle, the places where you normally want to sit, those will cost more. And then the worst seats, and you know what I'm talking about, especially up front, if you're craning your neck or you're back in a corner or the angle isn't as good, those will be less expensive. And Christine is up in arms about this even though she's not really someone who even goes to the movies. So she's whining about something that doesn't really apply to her and something that she enjoys doing. I can understand why some people would say it's always been this way. You charge one ticket price and people can show up early or whatever, first come, first serve, you grab the seats. That's the way it's always been. So changing it, they don't like it. And frankly, as someone who doesn't like to get to the movies super early, and who doesn't want to pay extra for better seats, who wants to pay more for something, right? This will probably annoy me down the line. I'll have to shell out a few more bucks 
or watch movies from a vantage point that I'd prefer not to, whatever. But from an economic standpoint, I'm actually surprised they haven't done this long ago. All right, I'm a capitalist, supply and demand. It makes sense that the best seats would cost more because that's true in almost every other setting under which tickets are sold for an event where people gather in one place to watch something. I know some places do general admission, but that's rare. Think about sporting events. right? If you're going to go to a football game, 20th row on the 45-yard line is going to cost you a lot more than the upper deck in an end zone. Right, Sitting in the neutral zone, 15 rows up, is going to be a much pricier hockey ticket than off in the corner somewhere or upstairs in the back. That's just the reality of pricing. Concerts. right? Front row tickets right in front of the performer where you get to see every facial expression and the sweat dripping down their face, that's going to cost you a lot more than being in the cheap seats. They're called the cheap seats for a reason. This also applies to in-person theater, right? Not movie theaters, but live theater. Go to a Broadway show or the equivalent of a Broadway show, and being in the first 15 rows, center, orchestra, that's going to set you back more than being elsewhere, you know, somewhat behind a post or partially obscured view or way up in the the mezzanine or the balcony beyond that. It's just how supply and demand works. It's how ticket pricing structures have been erected in really all of the comparable spaces, and now it's moving, I would say almost belatedly, to movies. Now, maybe there'll be a backlash, maybe it won't work, maybe there's something fundamentally different about going to the movies than any of the other examples that I just gave, but AMC's at least going to experiment with this and try it and kind of see how it goes. So I have rationally explained my position. Now, for a different position, let's bring in Cookie, who is just up in arms, fit to be tied. Christine, why are you even mad about this? You don't go to the movies. You don't like the movies. You're paranoid at the movies. You're convinced that terrible things will happen to you at the movies. Why have you been pushing this story so hard? Because whoever came up with the plan is an absolute moron. That's why I'm angry. I'm angry for other people. Your argument about concerts and sporting events and theatrical productions is not the same because those events are expected to be full. So you are paying no, for the seat that you... Yes, they are. For the majority, if you're going to the Beyonce concert or, you know, what uh, Taylor Swift, you're, it's expected to be full. So, Christine, yeah, sure, Christine let me just, let's just pause here. I am a Northwestern football fan. There are about half of our football games at home every year where my expectation is the stadium will be at best 70% full and possibly less. Like, there's not an expectation that it's full. And yet, a 50-yard line ticket is still going to cost me more than an end zone seat, even if there are 28,000 people sitting in the stadium that seats 47,000. That doesn't change the fact, even like when people are trying to offload their tickets for events on, like, StubHub in the secondary market, the good seats cost more. It's just how it works. It also is regulated like there are people at those concerts at those events maybe i don't know about northwestern but like they will monitor who is sitting where who's going to monitor this at the movie theater and to be honest unless it's like top gun you know on opening weekend the majority of movie theaters are empty so sure i i'm i'm gonna take a gamble and i'm not gonna pay the extra i'm gonna go there and then if there's an empty seat, I'm just going to move up. Like, who's going to regulate that? Are they going to well, hire people now? Yeah, someone that? with a little flashlight might come over and be like, ma'am, this is not your seat. Also, ma'am, what is that flask? Right? Like, these are the things that would happen. You, <laughs> you mentioned Top Gun as an example, a movie that you still haven't seen, right? Last we checked, you hadn't seen one. it. You saw the, yeah, first, the first one, one, but not the second one. You and Wyatt were derelict on that. Have you? When was the last time you went to a movie theater, Christine? Ooh. Hmm. What was that movie with Lady Gaga and uh, oh, a Star that is really, Born? 
Yes, that was a good one. Okay, that's so it's been a few years. Are you aware that a lot of movie theaters have moved to an assigned seating model, like where you can go on the app like Fandango or whatever and pick your seats and buy those seats? It's the same cost as the other ones in the past, but you actually pick your seats. So you have people reserving specific seats. That has been common practice in a lot of theaters for years now, Christine. The only difference is now that they're like tiering the pricing just a little bit to reflect the desirability of the seats. So like the enforcement argument doesn't make sense because we already have assigned seating in a lot of theaters. People show up like, hey, that's my seat. Someone's going to come enforce it. Yeah, but like maybe halfway through uh, the 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 movie, uh, sure you can bring me, go bring me to my seat. Have at it. That's great. So now AMC's paying people to do this. Guess what? Halfway through, I see some a seat better open. Me and Megan are hightailing it over there. And what are they going to do about it? So the whole plan is null and void. So you're saying that you're just going to ignore the rules, and it's therefore a scenario. <laughs> the rules should. Well, I mean, it's a scenario that's unlikely to actually play out because you don't go to the movies. Well, maybe right. if Hollywood made better movies, I would start going. Okay. So now, now you're just pandering to the conservative audience by attacking Hollywood. This is not about the content. This is about the pricing structure. I'm just impressed at how many arguments I've had. <laughs> Usually I run out after the first. <laughs> oh, you, you think this is going well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, oh, very um, well. So, Wyatt, Wyatt, you've been quietly listening to this. Um What's your take? Are you impressed with Christine's arguments here? I mean, some of them are valid. I just, I don't go to the movies, so I just don't really care. I don't like being in in large groups of people and kind of trapped somewhere. And But let me I ask know. you this, Wyatt. When you go on like at least a weekly basis to a jam-packed theater to listen to Paul Gigot read aloud from the Wall Street Journal, being closer to Paul Gigot, that costs you more, right, than being way back in the cheap seats, like the people who might as well just buy the Daily News, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like I get that argument. I'm, I'm in support of that. But I also understand Christine's argument of saying, like, if there's an open seat once the movie starts, like, yeah, I'm going to move into that seat as well. It's kind of the same thing like on an airplane. Like if you see an open row, like a crossing, and sporting you're sporting events. Like, it's like people are going to move around. By the way, I love that why it was just completely unfazed by my completely made-up scenario of, like, live readings of the Wall Street Journal as if he pays to go see this on a regular basis. Just not even just like, oh, yeah, that hypothetically, sure. Dan, help me out here. Well, as an avid goer of the movie theater, um, I am okay with it. I don't mind it. I honestly, I love going to the movie theater so much, and I love seeing movies in the theater because it's like the way to see it, especially like a big blockbuster like Star Wars or something like that. just looks and sounds so much better. But I don't mind sitting anywhere else i don't need to sit in these primo seats because i'll enjoy it either way unless it's like right up front like you said in the beginning like you don't want to just like look straight up the entire time but i'm okay with it and i go all the time i know it's expensive um but i like to support some uh theater companies because not a lot of people go and they're losing money but i get it you know so i think that you are the most avid moviegoer of this crew it's you by far yeah and then me i'll go maybe a couple times a year at most and then christine and white who just don't uh, on the planning call for the show earlier you had a very sort of trumpy phrase where you said <laughs> we love movie theater <laughs> like not even plural just singular we love movie theater my thing is the seat that i really want if i can get it is like let's say you've got the the front section of seats which no one wants right like right up front where you're looking straight up no one wants those seats then you've got the main primary section of the seats which is you know a much steeper incline i like to be in the very front row of that if there is a railing in front because a it's easier to slip in and out if i go to the bathroom and you can put your feet up on the lower part of the railing which is much more comfortable for me so would i spend I don't know, a couple bucks extra for that, for that access and for that comfort. I think I probably would. Well, they have the seats that recline now. So you just put it all the way back and you're sitting pretty, like all the way back, like you're at home in a lazy boy. It's fantastic. Have you seen yeah, those? I mean, they've, they've made some, some strides in the space. You can like order booze at some of these places yeah. now. See, now Christine's suddenly interested. She's like, hang Wait, on what? now. Yeah, what, what's happening now? Alcohol? So we have to leave it there. 
something for Christine to think about as she perhaps reconsiders her position. She came, she came ready for this argument. You can decide whether she won or lost, but we'll see if this works. Like, it'll either work for AMC and all the other chains are going to do it. It will become the standard, or there'll be a backlash. They'll quietly drop it, and it'll be back to general admission. We'll see. Guy Benson Show back from D.C. tomorrow, same time and same place. We will talk to you then. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a great night. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Thank you for listening. Almost the weekend together. I want to do things a little bit differently here in our final segment together this week by paying tribute to someone that our family lost recently. I wanted to talk about this at some point. She passed away actually late last month. But I decided to wait until today because tomorrow she is being laid to rest. We'll be attending the funeral in the morning. There's a reception later on. Anne McLaughlin Korologos died at the age of 81 on January 30th, 2023. She died in Salt Lake City, Utah, due to complications from meningitis. She is the beloved wife, this is from the Washington Post obituary, of former U.S. Ambassador Tom Korologos. And just a quick note on that. She was previously married, actually, to John McLaughlin of the McLaughlin Group for a long-time political nerds and folks who watched that TV program back in the day. But years ago, they had separated. She married Tom, who was President George W. Bush's ambassador to Belgium. I was actually an intern in the Bush administration when Tom came back home from that post, and he and Anne threw a party. It was at the Belgian embassy, and it was just a very cool event for me to have attended. They were very kind to invite me along. And... Tom is a very well-known attorney in D.C. with an incredible pedigree in his own right. He was heavily involved, for example, in the preparation of Justice Antonin Scalia leading up to his confirmation hearings. Of course, we all know Scalia went on to have one of the most renowned careers in that realm in the history of the court, at least in my opinion. So they were in every sense, a D.C. power couple. Anne, who just passed away, was labor secretary under President Reagan from 1987 to 1989. She was in the presidential cabinet. And not just any presidential cabinet, Ronald Reagan's. How badass is that? She served as assistant secretary to the U.S. Department of Treasury, and as Deputy Secretary at the U.S. Department of Interior. She has served on multiple corporate boards, including the Rand Corporation, the Aspen Institute. She chaired the President's Commission on Aviation Security and Terrorism in response to the Lockerbie bombing in 1988. She also owned an art gallery in Colorado. She lived an absolutely amazing life. I mean, you just listen to the titles alone of some of the jobs that she held. She was widely known, widely liked in D.C., a great conservative. She was always so beautiful and so elegant. Now, I'm related to her in some way, and we had all these conversations almost joking about it. She was born and raised in New Jersey. She used to babysit for my mother. We basically finally just settled on she's my great aunt. And it's sort of like complicated looking at the whole tree. We just said, great aunt, does that sound good? Sounds good to me? Great. So Ann Korologos was my great aunt. And we would occasionally speak on the phone. We would exchange emails. We would see each other from time to time. And she was just always so encouraging and so kind and so supportive. She and Tom were invited to our wedding. They couldn't make it. And I remember she was heartbroken, very apologetic. And they offered incredibly kindly, very generously, to host a post-wedding party at their club here in D.C. 
like a few months later. And boy, it was a beautiful party. It was so nice and so classy, and my parents came down for it. A lot of my friends in D.C., some of Adam's friends in D.C. were there. And then there was also kind of a who's who. They were there to help celebrate us and our marriage and all of that, no question about it. But I think, given who was hosting the party, that might have helped the cause for Secretary Pompeo and his wife to come. Robert O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, and his wife to come. Just a very memorable evening, and Anne gave a lovely toast. My favorite story about Anne, and I'll just tell this briefly in the time that we have remaining, and it actually arises from an embarrassment, an embarrassment to me, which was when we bought our house, this was now years ago, was it 2018, 2017, we had a big housewarming party when it was finally ready to sort of, you know, hey, we're here, come on and and help us celebrate. We threw a little party. Anne and Tom were invited. And it was completely my error when I sent them the email inviting them to this party. I transposed the street number address from my previous address in a condo and the new house. So I gave them a half-wrong address, which, of course, is completely useless. It becomes a totally wrong address. And they, and I feel so bad to this day, they drove around for like an hour trying to find this party. And it wasn't such a small party because I was so distracted chatting with so many people. I didn't look at my phone. I had missed all these phone calls. I felt so guilty about it. So I promised them. I called them back. I said, I am just devastated. I'm embarrassed. Can we please make this up to you? Will you please come over for a drink, and then we will take you to dinner in our neighborhood, please? They said, yes, of course. No worries. This type of thing happens. I mean, they had, they had gotten the police involved trying to find the house. I mean, I, I really, I feel so uncomfortable even talking about it. It's just one of those things where I just close my eyes. I can't believe I made that mistake. Anyway, a few weeks later, just the two of them, they came over, and they had a drink. We walked around the corner to one of our favorite little neighborhood restaurants. And our favorite bartender was working sort of the section of seats where we had been seated in those tables. And Adam and I had ordered one of our favorite cocktails, which is called a Gold Rush. And it's bourbon-based. It's delicious, especially in the cold months. Highly recommend. Check out the Gold Rush. So we ordered our Gold Rush, and our bartender knew exactly what that was because we would order it you know, not infrequently. And Tom was sort of intrigued by this. He said, now, what's a gold rush? And so we explained it to him. We were talking about how good it is. And he was uh, interested in ordering a gold rush, but Anne was having none of it. She just gave him a look. She said, you don't need that. So that was the answer. Tom was not going to get a gold rush. So then she ordered, rather elaborately, a martini. And she explained exactly how she wanted it. It was very highly specific. I remember she wanted it ice cold, and she specifically said, I would like shards of ice floating on the top of this drink, on top of the cocktail. That's the way I want this martini. Yes, right away, ma'am. So he goes back, he makes the drinks, and he returns a few minutes later with a gold rush for me, a gold rush for Adam, a martini with shards of ice floating for Anne, and for Tom, as a very nice little generous move, he had made a mini gold rush in a shot glass. So just like one taste of it for Tom, who clearly wanted to try it, but Anne had sort of shot the idea down. So Ali, our bartender, had said, here here you go. You get a taste of it. And we were delighted by this, and we were talking about it, and we were sipping our gold rushes, and we were watching Tom drink and his reaction, and he really liked it. And we were having a great time. Anne was highly skeptical and sort of rolling her eyes at us this whole time. Like, you silly, silly men. And then when the hubbub and our excitement had died down, there was just a a little pause of silence. And she just said, her voice dripping with exaggerated disdain, I've always found pure alcohol to be preferable. And took a giant gulp (laughs) of her martini. And it was like the comedic timing was incredible. I lost it. I've been quoting her for years on that. What a perfect thing to say. It had strong Lucille Bluth vibes. And if you know me, you know that I'm a Lucille Bluth fan, Arrested Development. 
Jessica Walter. I mean, it was it had the intense Lucille energy there. And whenever I order a Gold Rush to this day, I still think about that. And that evening, we had such a wonderful time with them, just the four of us. And I think we had so much more quality time with them because it wasn't part of a giant party, although I'm still so sorry that they missed it. But it was just this special relationship where I can count on two hands the number of times I actually physically visited with Ann and Tom. And yet, I always felt this great kinship and closeness to them. And I am just heartbroken for Tom losing Anne. I know that she had fallen ill uh, weeks prior, and we'd all been praying for her, and, and ultimately she just couldn't pull through. So after 81 years and a truly incredible American life so accomplished in the Gipper's cabinet, for crying out loud, Anne Korologos died last month, and she will be set in her final resting place tomorrow. Our heart goes out to Tom other members of the family, and I will definitely miss my great aunt. With that, we're out of time. Thank you for listening. It's the Guy Benson Show back here next week. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.